In Dallas, Texas, three shots were fired at President Kennedy's motorcade. That's what we were told. Most Americans never believed Lee Oswald was the lone gunman, for excellent reasons. In fact, there were at least six shooters who fired from eight to ten shots or more who are identified here. We have, finally, the solution to the greatest murder mystery in history, laid out for the world to see proof after proof after proof. Photos were faked, the body was changed, x-rays were altered, the home movies were fixed. Fifteen experts contribute to a 529-page book with 1,037 photos and diagrams in black and white and color. Hi, this is Gary King. If you'd like JFK, who, how, and why, and would like to support the new JFK show, then go to PatriotRadioBooks.com. That's PatriotRadioBooks.com. A warm welcome and warning, fellow voyagers, for those traveling both again and anew. This is your Captain Raphael speaking, urging you, once you've committed to being on board, of course, to settle in, get comfy, and prepare yourselves as we prepare to take off on yet another exciting adventure past the veils of illusion, gaining our consciousness in and away from the issues of climate engineering and other shady government cover-ups, also flying past the world wide web of lies and mind control that bind these issues to the globalist conspiracies and agendas, steadily approaching and encroaching on us while the rest of humanity slumbers. But not this ship, not this crew. Passengers, prepare to ascend beyond the veil. Buckle up. It's going to be a bumpy ride. of cloud creation. Even small changes in the location and abundance of clouds can alter the weather more than greenhouse gases and other factors attributed with global change. NASA. What are you going to do about that? Coming out of that factory. Power plants and other industry. What, what kind of industry is that? Chemical industry. Chemical industry. Creating climate change. CO2 ain't that big a deal. Clouds, my friends. Clouds, pay attention to them. Suits and aerosols, too. I mean, but I've seen this. It's not even like a, a secret. It's just like hiding in plain sight. It's just hiding in plain sight. Well, I've never seen anything that big. I, I've seen clouds that sort of form over a power plant and they sort of whisk away, but I've never seen anything. That Maybe they're adding something to the cocktail. Maybe I've that's what's that just coming out. And uh, for the Louisiana storm, people were seeing plumes that were being released at the same time that was not uh, aligned with sunrise, so that we can blame it on the sun. Um, and people are seeing that... Uh, power plants are releasing massive amounts of water vapor in a synchronized uh, way and then 
the metallicized air and the next rat moves the metallic clouds around until they can have these huge uh, dumping I was events. adjunct Air Force by the National Weather Service. Now, the technology that we used was 40 years ahead of anything that was sitting in people's homes. And that's par for the course with the military. In 1983, they had just kicked into gear full weather manipulation. And I was in the military at that time as a weather forecaster. Full weather model. And it was, the facade was to help farmers in times of drought. And that's what they patented under, was relief to drought and famine situations, when the reverse is actually to create famine and drought situations. Right, right. At each stratum of the atmosphere, which could be a thousand feet, five thousand feet, five hundred feet. It all depends on what stratum they're looking at, mm-hmm. right? It's very inexact science, believe me. <laughs> we did not have the red zone to God. The only place that you can predict the possibility of humidity is at base level, which is usually from zero to 4,000 feet in the air. And that is with 20% accuracy rate. Okay. So these are not readings from balloons that get an actual no no you can't get you can't get relative humidity from a balloon i never did we never did okay and is there any chance that the technology might have changed since yes when when and, when, and when were you the, when were you in the air force do i don't understand the new formulas they don't make any sense to me when were you in the Air Force? 1979 to 1985. Okay. So you know when they started in 1983. Did, were you right. aware of it? Yeah, because you were part of the weather, you know, for food. Mm-hmm. Yes. Weather for food. Yeah. And it, it created drought and famine instead of relieved it. And that was those were complaints that were going on for a while, actually, because that was in the uh, Senate committee hearing... You know, one of the complaints they listed in 1970. So this is not a new story. And the World Meteorological Organization admitted in their own report, even though they said there was no weather modification going on in the United States, in the same report later on in like uh, some, some you know, t- a timeline thing, they, they credit uh, hydrological companies having been some of the players that have been at it the longest in the States for 50 years ongoing. So if there's a program yep. going on for 50 years ongoing, then how can we say there's no weather modification going on in the States? Why is it not being cataloged and reported? And that didn't even include all the military experiments, and we know that like the military's not going to just... The largest because industrial military complex is just yep. not going to just all of a sudden sit on its hands about it when, when they've been doing it oh. since the beginning of time. So... 
there's there's no way really to to monitor the the humidity and you are also saying it's not possible to have humidity that much like more humidity on the upper atmosphere than on the lower atmosphere no it's not possible because the farther up you get the less air there is And the so, condensation so nuclei, which is exactly what it's dust particles. It's um, anything that can a, a water molecule can attach to in order to form a cloud. And I'm going to tell you something. None of the clouds that I see on a daily basis are anything like clouds. They're all fake clouds. Yeah. Can't even find the bases on a stratus level. They all have this icky goo that comes out from the bottom of every single freaking cloud. I can't tell you where the bases are of a CRQ. I can't... I don't know what level. Like right now, I'm looking outside, and I'm trying to determine the base level, which would be my report, as in five scattered, meaning 5,000 scattered, 5,000 feet in elevation, scattered. I can't find a bottom. I can't find a base, and I can't do it with altitude. I can't find the bases of the clouds anymore. I'm guessing, and 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 my scientific guess is pretty freaking good. But right now, I'm looking out here in this ugly muck that we live in every day. I see one cloud with a base. But they're not consistent. And then I look farther away, and they're not, there's no, a base of a cloud is darker. It's the dark point where it sits at the elevation, which allows you to determine its height from the ground. Okay? And right now, in, if I was to look out there, which I'm doing, I have one cloud that I see one base on, but it has all this goo hanging from it. And that, that is the trigger. I can't, it's all goo. There's no bases. So I'm guessing that I've got a 5,000 foot overcast sky. But I don't know for sure, because I can't find a base. just want to document that all these clouds aren't coming out of the water. They're like in a chain off of something over there. See how they, they rose up out of something particular. They were released. These are releases. Like that guy over there. Anyway. And here we go. The next rad, creating the frequency blanket. It's all going up, up, up. 
That's why the bottoms, that's why they have no flat bottoms anymore. They're all being pulled up. And they're not even clouds, they're, they're, they're anthropogenic clouds. They're not natural clouds. They're billowing up out of special places, and I'm gonna find out where out. I overslept today. Where's that coming off of? I mean, that's like billowing out of where? None of the clouds I got at the lake this morning had come off of the lake, which is a really big source of moisture, I would think. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, let's keep driving. Coming out of the factory, all right? Quarter mile. Continue straight onto Perkins Road. You've got these, like, major plume releases here, right? However, naturally or otherwise, whatever. And then sectioned up. They get feathered out, and then they move it into the big powder puff in the sky. Okay, <clears throat> so and and you can I'm, see another layer. It's the same kind of pattern uh, is right there. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's being like. <sighs> Look at that thing right there. That's weird. Look at that. See that? Yeah. All like all all this is being sucked in. It's getting like it's getting swirled into it. Continuing to document the swirling vortex seems to evaporate up into these uh, upper layers. They're, like, they're condensing it out. Up, up and away. Send that moisture up. You gotta look at the sources of all the anthropogenic clouds. They want you calling it chemtrails, and indeed they are, because even a contrail is a chemtrail by the very definition of it, because it's not just water vapor, but if it was just water vapor, water vapor is the most prominent greenhouse gas on Earth. Yep, yep, yep. And it's not being considered in climate change even though it would like double the effects of CO2 and this is them not considering anthropogenic cloud sources so much as just the natural hydrological cycle of water vapor so clouds are important they know this they try to reduce the significance of this through plausible deniability but that's you know there's plausible deniability on some of the global warming claims. There's lies in, woven into the, some of the narratives that can be argued for. Um, is there global warming or not? Well, either there isn't and it's all a hoax or there 
is, but there's lies around that. So there's an agenda. There's a, there's something hiding. There's something that all the sides are lacking in their narrative. And that's, I mean, even when we're saying chemtrails, we're pointing to the sky, but we're not pointing down to the source of some of these major water vapor releases. And again, we've seen and can prove that the thousand-year Louisiana flood came out of um, at least six power plants that synchronized their water vapor releases at the same time, within minutes of each other, in the morning, um, that fed right into the storm that dumped on people, on people's land, lives, property, whatever. And they're still rebuilding some of them. Okay, it was like the worse than Katrina, but people didn't realize that because it didn't get the same kind of attention, although it got a little bit. But it's still going on. And so we doesn't matter if you want to say there was an accidental. You've got to stop ignoring the fact that it's happening. We're seeing it on radar. We're seeing the blooms coming out of the plants ourselves with our own eyes. But we haven't been talking about it because it, the narrative is not out there. Sometimes we don't realize what we're seeing because we don't have a narrative to, that recognizes what we're seeing. And so we are silent in ourselves from what, you know, I've noticed anthropogenic clouds for years outside of chemtrails, like coming out of different industries. And I've dismissed it in my mind, even while watching Weather War 101's work, <laughs> say that three times real quick. Um, I, I didn't put it together because there's so many gatekeepers. You just don't, you just don't know how it all comes together at first and you're still processing. And then, and then you realize one day, wait a minute, what's the one thing that nobody knows? I did my, um, billion dollar secret on water vapor video showing how Google search that IPCC greenhouse gas and you won't get water vapor in the pie chart. Any of them, if you look at the images and you just see what the majority of the articles are talking about, none of them bring up water vapor. That's And you know that takes a lot of work to scour the internet to keep a, a certain thing out of search results. You know they do that. They have the technology. Others have done videos on it. I don't need to prove that here. Uh, if you don't know that, good morning. Okay. And then when you add water vapor to the search bar and IPCC graph... Um, greenhouse gas chart you know all you do is add water vapor to the same search criteria you had before and then all of a sudden you notice that the, all the charts come out that show water vapor is the 80 to 90 percent of the earth's greenhouse gases so the manipulation of water vapor benign malevolent deliberate or accidental um it's a big deal okay and the literature knows this they don't spell it out, and they always say, but we can't be sure of the consequences of this or that or the effects. There's always plausible deniability, but they acknowledge it. And we've broken this down in other videos, but here I'm just starting to see the energy in action, besides just the fingerprints of it, but seeing it in um, more of a time-lapse way. Just how these uh, blooms... I'm going to go out and go looking for these um, sources of steam booms and see how close to these water vapor bursts I can get.
starting to rise up. Rise up. Can we capture this? And here's the rain. Just a little bit later, they put the humidity up there. And we have our rain. All right. Even my son was talking about the, uh, the sword cloud. Oh, these are like sword clouds. They, they're going around it on the bottom and they're going up, up, up and away into the vortex. <laughs> We've been watching that all day. This is going to be part of a lovely compilation. None of these are happy clouds. Yeah, so yeah, like it's 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 like a saber. See? It's it's this the whole line is being pulled up into this vortex. It's just it's just like Yeah, just like our sword. <laughs> Here you go. Did you is it true that you told mommy about the cloud? Look just like your sword? I was just minding my own business on the potty when he got excited and told me about it. Anyway. Oh, here, sorry. Like my son said, all the clouds are like his saber sword. They're all concave now. Why are all the clouds going concavely up towards the sky? What, what's, what's pushing them to concave there like why are they going up and twirling you can really see it here uh, the round spiral vortex there we go I mean look at that edge it is definitely a zapped into this vortex. I mean, there's no wind. There's no wind anywhere. This is very, very still summer. It's July 14th, Bastille Day. They're zapping it with energy. Sucking it up. It's going up there. These clouds are, the bottoms are not flat. They're upward curved. They're sucking up the moisture, humidity. All right, I gotta go. This is insane. I mean, you know. And then the circle's complete. See the circle complete. And here's the circle complete. And the circle and the vortex. And it goes up. And can you see it? Can you see it? Okay, go slow. All of this sucking up, sucking up, sucking up. Oh, we've got these like eye shapes. We've got the yin yang sign. What the fuck? What? You know, I mean, you see it? Whoop, 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 whoop. There we go. Pick it back up and down and up. 
And down and up we go. See? Wow. Hmm. I mean, I wish I could ca- capture the panorama of this crap. Oof, there it goes, waving up. Oof. All right. Watch as the beams bring in the weather right over the next rad center. Zap. This is a pauljhortado.com website, U.S. Composite uh, Radar. Watch how, okay. Okay, where are we starting at here? It's 1 p.m. to midnight. And we start again here. Okay, there's no moisture, right? And then at... Going into the evening, there's releases of moisture, then there's zapping. Okay, releasing the moisture, releasing the moisture, and then zap, the next rad comes up. Oops. And sending it off. Okay. And releasing the moisture, releasing the moisture, and then zap. Okay. Releasing the moisture, releasing the moisture, and then zap, next rad. You never know what you'll find. Start seeing the patterns for yourself. Man. This this is fun. Scary. Horrific. Promising. Because you know what? You can't catch a plane. But these guys are on the ground. (laughs) So we know who to blame for our pain when the Rain washes us away, don't we? Don't look up, look down, down on the ground. Woo! Next red. Yeah. And now they're going to roll out 5G. Oh, my God. How much more nuked can we get? Yeehaw, cowboy. Thanks to Funny Cloud's YouTube channel for the following. On 8-5-17, New Orleans was attacked by weaponized weather, causing flooding in the city, resulting in millions of dollars in damage and untold trauma to the good people there. That is what I saw develop in the sky in Baton Rouge on that day, Saturday, August 5th, 2017, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, looking into the southern sky. All verbal commentary throughout this video was made while recording the raw video. 8 a.m. Okay, there we have it. Another clear sky day except for Exxon. Pumping it out like a mofo. Otherwise, beside the the, uh, metallic haziness on the horizon and through the acute angle of the sun at morning hours, we have a completely clear sky. 
except for the corridor of water vapor production. And conditions right now are not too bad, not too humid, not too warm. But I'll bet that changes after all this water vapor is uh, evaporated into the air. Because these don't remain necessarily necessarily remain as a cloud. There is still evaporation going on. After all, this is steam. But it ends up saturating the uh, air in invisible water vapor, which is the number one most abundant greenhouse gas being produced by industry. The scam is on, folks, but the jig is up. We finally figured this shit out. Anyway, cheers for today. 8.30 a.m. Okay, it's only been about 30 minutes. And this thing is pumping. Look how dark the sky is back there now. Incredible. They're pumping it out this morning. This is fucking unreal. This was clear 30 minutes ago. You tell me this isn't affecting the climate and modifying the weather? And I'll tell you, you have a childlike mind. I'll say you're under mind control. Amazing. Just fucking amazing. Somebody needs to be held accountable for this shit. At this point, I had not realized that the water vapor was coming from numerous sources to the west and south. The following image was taken between 9 and 10 a.m. on an elevated section of I-110 heading south, revealing at least one other source of water vapor rising from ground level. Looking back, there must have been multiple ones considering how rapidly the sky went from absolutely clear to cloudy overcast. The following pic is only about two hours after a clear sky at 8 a.m. Notice the drift plume rising from behind the line of trees just over the front of the black SUV. That is not ExxonMobil. It is another facility much further south. New Orleans is due south. Within two hours, the sky was filled with water vapor and clouds, all in the morning hours before the sun could heat the earth and air for natural convection to occur. This was my glimpse from the ground of what developed regionally. The rest is now history. New Orleans was flooded by a massive amount of rain in a short period of time. It is plain to see that massive amounts of water vapor are being released by industry. What goes up must come down. Someone must be held accountable.
White clouds used to look like when they used to have flat bottoms. Why they changed. Gone. Gone are the days I could listen to the rain falling down outside my window pane and not think that it was an enemy trying to wash us away. written in the weeks after returning home, after Katrina. talking about climate change yesterday and now we're learning that scientists and researchers are looking at how to change the weather on purpose that's right lasers now could one day manipulate rain and lightning cbs this morning contributor michio kaku is a physics professor at city college of new york professor nice to see you extraordinary seeing al gore and bill clinton there together with charlie wasn't it that's right yeah, yeah. they did not get into this discussion no. though. <laughs> but it is fascinating i mean lasers really to change the weather that's right well as mark twain once famously said everyone complains about the weather but no one ever does anything about it well instead of doing a rain dance, we physicists are firing trillion watt lasers into the sky to actually precipitate rain clouds and actually bring down lightning bolts. This is potentially a game changer. But this is experimental. It's experimental. However, in the laboratory so far it works. When you have water vapor and you have dust particles or ice crystals, you can precipitate rain. It condenses around the seeds. These seeds can also be created by laser beams. By firing trillion watt lasers, you rip apart the electrons, creating what are called ions. And these ions act like seeds, like dust particles, bringing down rain and even lightning. Go ahead. Well, I, I, this is fascinates me in part because, too, I remember reading the stories that China had used this during the Olympics, that the USSR had used this after Chernobyl to create rain clouds. I mean, w did those really work then? We have some of these capabilities now? Inconclusive. Even in the 60s, the CIA used this to uh, bring down monsoons during the Vietnam War to wash out the Viet Cong. Governments have been playing with, with this to. thing. Alleged to. Alleged to, right. Yeah. Now... My name is Ben Livingston. I'm the first person to ever see the cloud with the intention to cause it to do military damage. I know I can say that, and I did it several times before the next person did it. Well, the, uh, the Joint Chiefs of Staff had been wishing for quite some time, in terms of years, that they had some way of, of slowing the trucks down in Vietnam. That led me to 
advised the Joint Chiefs of Staff that we had a potential weapon system, and so I was uh, I was asked to uh, start to put together a top secret operation to go to, to Vietnam to see if we couldn't make it rain more over there as a as a military operation. All the roads over there were uh, dirt roads, and uh, when it rained, it caused them a lot of problems. So that during the monsoon season, there was so much rain and water in the roads that uh, the trucks really couldn't move very freely. Our mission was to make it rain uh, during the dry season. On that particular day, the clouds were very small. There just weren't any real big thunderstorms or anything like that. but I picked a cloud that was sitting out essentially by itself uh, with a number of small clouds. I'm talking about clouds that whose tops were somewhere near the freezing level but not high enough to really grow. And I nurtured one of those clouds until it finally got, got it in well past the freezing level. And then the cloud developed a lot of convective activity and it started sucking clouds into it. Just building up and building up and in, and I took a series of pictures that I called, called for 41 minutes. Uh, by the end of 41 minutes, uh, we had flown up to over 65,000 feet, and we still couldn't reach the top of the cloud. So we knew we had a barn burner there. And by the next morning, we had washed out everything in the world and, and did a lot of damage to people and all that sort of thing. But uh, it was a real success as far as blocking the roads off. With just two of us involved, myself and a civilian, uh, but we conducted that operation with aircraft, military aircraft, uh, mostly from Marine Corps, and then shortly thereafter we started involving the U.S. Air Force. Well, we actually began the 3rd or 4th of September, and by the 13th of October, we had had a couple of storms that had actually washed out bridges, and uh, the results were so successful until uh, I was called down to Saigon to... Uh, the generals, the Air Force generals, the Army generals down there, and they suggested that I need to go make this report to President Johnson back in Washington, D.C. They were excited about it, but they had no authorization, if you will, to use this as a military weapons system. I was there in very top secret uh, classification as a research project. That's why we were able to conduct the mission without uh, the international community, if you will, being apprised of what we were doing and how we were doing it. It was kept top secret for a long time. It was first reported that this was going on in 1972. That's the first time the Congress ever heard about it. So, as you can see, it was uh, it was not something everyone knew about for a long time. Did you ever do any testing in the U.S.? Did I? Oh, yeah, a lot, yeah. You were the head of what base? You were the head of uh, acting commander of what base? I was the acting commanding officer at the uh, Corona Naval Weapons Research Center. And they worked on a lot more there than just weather weapons, didn't they? Yes, they do, but my main contribution uh, at Corona was to write a uh, plan for uh, weather modification control for the whole world uh, at any given time. We could send a number of airplanes with with, uh, materials and dispensing equipment we had and probably control the weather all the, way around the, all the way around the world. Why? Because you said it was on, it's, a, it's on several major, seven major front lines? Well, there are only uh, uh, from five to seven major troughs around the world uh, at any given time, and they undulate just like uh, ocean waves.
move back and forth and back and forth. Uh, and at any time, there's a front associated with those where all the thunderstorms are located. And with having air, having a few airplanes, a couple of airplanes uh, at the right place, you could run down that, that line of thunderstorms and do whatever you wanted to with them. This is out of the uh, um, June 1974 Science Magazine. And this article was actually written in 19, well, it says it's written 1974. Yeah, it was, 1974. Uh, and this is when the uh, Senate got wind that something had been going on in Vietnam that they didn't know about, and they wanted to know about it. Well, it's interesting to note that this project ended in 1972. It started in 1966. So you can see the secrecy. We realize that for decades now, these governments have been alleged to have experimented with weather control, but nothing conclusive. This time we're bringing in the laws of physics rather than simply uh, waving our hands and uttering mumbo jumbo. <laughs> we're actually using trillion watt lasers yeah. now. And in the laboratory, sure enough, they precipitate rain out of water vapor. Sure enough, you can actually bring down electricity mm -hmm. down, the, down the beam. So what does it mean for drought areas that, that need to have rain for crops? And if they don't have them, uh, there's you know, the consequences of famine. Well, the bad news is if it's a clear blue sky, it's not going to do anything at all because it only takes water vapor that's already in the air and condenses it. However, for floods, for agriculture, for farmers, for people planning wedding parties, uh, football <laughs> games, you name it, outdoor events and agriculture and flooding and even hurricanes, all of them could be subject to weather modification. Incredibly mm. interesting. Professor Michio Kaku, thank you so much. Mm. Showing no signs of letting up. Over half the country has been affected with the brunt bearing down on the mid and southwest, especially Nebraska, Kansas, the Dakotas, and parts of the south. Just look at that. Well, in one hard-hit area of Texas, some people have grown tired of waiting for Mother Nature to bring relief and have decided to try and take matters into their own hands. Here's ABC's Juju Chang. Craig Funky is flying me to the edge of a violent thunderstorm. You see how nice and crisp the top of that cloud is up there? Yeah. So. But the former commercial pilot isn't some adrenaline junkie courting danger. He's a cloud seeder, chasing this menacing storm to squeeze out extra rain for the drought-stricken farmland below. As a pilot going through school, you're taught to avoid thunderstorms. This is Craig's job, firing chemicals into the clouds in a controversial attempt to modify the weather. He's literally a rainmaker. That dark, thick cloud over there has lots of moisture in it. That's part of the cloud that was seeded. It actually looks heavy with rain. Cloud seeding has been used around the world for decades. But it's now getting a closer look as farmers desperate for solutions endure their fourth month of record-shattering drought with no end in sight. It's actually the largest drought in half a century, responsible for rising food prices and record wildfires. It's even suspected to be a cause for the recent surge in cases of West Nile virus. So we came to South Texas to find out if cloud seeding can really maximize our most precious resource, or if it's just a romantic notion that doesn't hold water. We can't manufacture a cloud. That is just 
absolute basic. We, we cannot make it rain if it was not gonna rain to begin with. If you look at the cloud as a factory, we're inducing a lot of raw material into the factory so that the factory becomes more efficient. And more productive. Consequently more productive. His team of pilots and meteorologists are constantly scanning the skies for the right clouds to see. Well, everybody's going to get some good rain. After 10 bone-dry days, a promising cluster of thunderstorms is finally headed their way. He's just working the very edge of it. And then Butch finds the cloud sweet spot. Okay, he's fixing a lot of flare. Oh, I see the flares. Yeah. It looks like he's uh, painting the sky. The flares are shooting millions of silver iodide and calcium chloride particles into the cloud, where they collide with drops of water and ice and produce even more moisture. Then, usually within 20 minutes... So what is this white, smoky stuff over here? That's rain. Oh, that's rain? Yeah, that's rain. <laughs> All this is rain out there. Turn 7 out of every turn left today. You go out and you feed for a few hours or all day long and really know you did some good. It's a good feeling. The radar data collected today adds to a growing body of evidence that cloud seeding works. It can double the amount of moisture in a given cloud, and the Texas programs boast a 12% increase in annual rainfall thanks to seeding. And long-term studies show those chemicals are environmentally safe and can't even be detected in the rainfall. But despite all the data, some of cloud seeding's biggest critics are surprisingly the very farmers who stand to benefit most. This isn't the first drought we've been through, and it won't be the last. Bill Slumchinsky's family has been farming this land for five generations. He and his son Brett tell us it's expensive to irrigate 300 acres of crops. All that watering cuts deeply into profits, but they are skeptical that anything short of divine intervention can actually make more rain. What do you make of the cloud seeding program? Well, when you've been in a drought since 96 and we've had one wet year, is it working? I was trained adjunct Air Force by the National Weather Service. Now, the technology that we used was 40 years ahead of anything that was sitting in people's homes. And that's part of the course with the military. In 1983, they had just kicked into gear full weather manipulation. And I was in the military at that time as a weather forecaster. Full weather model. And it was, the facade was to help farmers in times of drought, and that's what they patented under, was relief to drought and famine situations, when the reverse is actually to create famine and drought situations. Right, right. When we physicists look in outer space for alien life, we don't look for little green men. We look for type 1, type 2, and type 3 civilizations. A type 1 civilization has harnessed planetary power. They control earthquakes, the weather, volcanoes. They have cities on the ocean. Anything planetary, they control. That's type 1. A type 2 civilization is stellar. They've exhausted the power of a planet, and they get their energy directly from their mother star. They just don't get a suntan on a weekend. 
They use solar flares. They use the power of the sun itself to energize their huge machines. Eventually, they exhaust the power of a star, and they go galactic. They harness the power of billions of stars within a galaxy. Now, for example, Buck Rogers would correspond to a Type I civilization, a planetary civilization. Star Trek and the Federation of Planets, who have colonized a few star systems, would correspond to a Type II system. And the empire of Star Wars would correspond to a Type III civilization. Now, what are we on this scale? We are Type Zero. We don't even rate on this scale. We get our energy from, not from stars or galaxies, we get our energy from dead plants, oil and coal. But we can calculate when we will attain type 1 status in about 100 years. Now, every time I read the newspaper, I see evidence of this historic transition from type 0 to type 1. And I am privileged to be alive in the most important era in the history of the human race, the transition from type 0 to type 1. I read the newspaper and I see evidence of this everywhere. What is the European Union? The European Union has been formed to oppose NAFTA, that is the United States, Canada and Mexico, but why? Because we're seeing the beginnings of a type 1 economy. Huge planetary trading blocks are the beginnings of a type 1 economy. And what language will this type 1 economy speak? Everywhere I go around the world, I find that the elites, the elites all speak English as a second language. In the future, the planet Earth will be like that. Everyone will speak their own native language, but on top of that, there will be a type 1 language, probably English. There's also going to be a type 1 culture and a type 1 political system as well. You can go anywhere on the planet Earth and show people pictures of two individuals that are instantly recognizable by any human, Madonna and Arnold Schwarzenegger. In other words, we're talking about Hollywood movies. We're talking about rock and roll, rap music, blue jeans. That's going to be the planetary culture of the planet Earth. And what is the Internet? The Internet is the beginning of a Type 1 telephone system. That's all it is. And so this transition is perhaps the most important transition of all time. Some people don't want it. They fear this transition because this transition is to a planetary civilization tolerant of many cultures. These are the terrorists. The, in their gut, they fear this because they know they are witnessing the birth pangs of a beginning of a new planetary civilization and the terrorists want nothing to do with it. Hmm. Why would the Terra want nothing to do with it. They're loading up with as many people, it's got to be dozens of people mm. in the back oh of my the gosh. They take them to a nearby Walmart, mm. uh, and then the Walmart is where, uh, I guess, metro buses or school buses will take them to the shelter. The question is, what shelter are they taking them to? Because I heard Tom say GRB is overcrowded and, and uh, or not overcrowded, but at the capacity they had planned for. So right. I think they're, gosh, if, I, I certainly have that question. I don't know if we've answered it. But that's what you mean when you say disorganized organization, because... So, we have this video and we have the video where the reporter literally says that the people are going to have to accept a new world order, right? ...the process here to help them adjust 
to this new world order that they are they're going to be living in after this. It's because some of these people, there will be, this is a new normal. They're never going to go back home. So they want to help them as much so that they're never just walking out of here and feeling like they're going back onto the street. They've worked with them throughout the process here to help them adjust to this new world order that they are, they're going to be living in after this. And this was coming from CNN. And why would terrorism be so bad? Because it's a threat to the global order that is being sold, that he's attempting to sell? Or is it because we know that the history of climate engineering is deeper and richer than we are being informed on a public level? That we know that the roots of weather modification and research into weather modification uh, go back far enough that this is nothing new. And neither is the weaponization of weather. And neither is it alleged we weaponized weather in Vietnam. And Congress didn't find out about it for 10 years. And the UN did make a treaty saying no weaponizing weather, banning the use of environmental modification technologies. But that did not stop the military or the experiments or the projects that is very naive to assume that it would. Nothing in our history indicates that weather modification or weaponization of weather ceased to exist. To the contrary, what we're seeing is increasing weather chaos, increasing weather technologies, a tendency to under-report weather modification, grossly, to underreport it even when other institutions are reporting it, a lack of obligation to the public awareness by those in charge of doling out the media. We are not told of anthropogenic clouds, of briefings that maybe concerning or of documents that we can find that show the intent to weaponize space and the environment and the weather on behalf of some greater good or just for the purposes of war. But even those who dismiss climate engineering as benevolent and for the good of mankind we would like to draw your attention to a 1970 document which lists the complaints listed by the uh, Tri-State Natural Weather Association. Following evils were credited to cloud seeding. It's been responsible for a great five-year drought in the northeast of the United States. Isolated sections in the northeast have experienced 18 years of drought due to cloud seeding. Weather disturbances in the South Atlantic have been eliminated and has reduced the coasts, the East Coast rainfall by 30%, rain that is needed if agriculture is to be successful. The average dairy farmer on the East Coast living in an area of cloud seeding has averaged an, a net financial loss because of cloud seeding. Crop production losses in Franklin County, Pennsylvania alone have 
amounted to 30 million. When effects of seeding wear off, cloudbursts occur, causing floods, destroying crops and building and crops, buildings and drowning people as well as livestock. Seeding has been responsible for the serious air pollution problems. Mental retardation and insanity are traceable to cloud seeding chemicals. Poisoning of all living matters directly related to cloud seeding. Emphysema is three times higher in areas of heavy cloud seeding. Cancer is virulently out of proportion. Financial losses of agriculture are related to and related industries run into the billions. Forestries as well as cultivated orchards are dying from chemical reactions taking place in the air due to addition of cloud seeding agents. The atmosphere has been rendered completely biologically incompatible with all living matter, which includes animals, plants, and human life, I would wager it would say. So the complaints go back decades decades, whether these are claims or not, people were complaining about cloud seeding causing drought in 1970. And this is after 18 years of drought due to cloud seeding. So they were cloud seeding since the 50s. So we've been cloud seeding since the 50s. There is increasing global drought. Many activists concur that the hydrological cycle is broken. We're not talking about an approaching global warming. We're talking about a broken hydrological cycle that has exponentially grown alongside the use of cloud seeding and other weather modification technologies and industry. And when they say others are engaging even in an eco-type of terrorism whereby they can alter the climate, set off earthquakes, volcanoes remotely through the use of electromagnetic waves... This is the Secretary of Defense, William Cohen, talking in a in a Senate briefing meeting, I believe. I've, I've looked at the original document. Um, to think that the largest industrial military complex and the first nation to weaponize weather would not be engaged in the use of these technologies because Congress has a problem with it. It's because some of these people, there will be... This is a new normal. They're never going to go back home. So they want to help them as much so that they're never just walking out of here and feeling like they're going back onto the street. They work with them throughout the process here to help them adjust to this new world order that they are, they're going to be living in after this. This is a unique little book covering a topic that is much overdue for teaching children about our environment. The title is Funny Clouds, A Chemtrail's Tale. The story is about little Marie and her mom who go outside to plant a tree. When they finish, little Marie looks up towards the sky to see strange clouds sprayed by jet aircraft. The story is told in rhyme and prose that can inform but also entertain a young reader. I recommend this book because it has an optimistic message without instilling fear. The story ends on a positive note about how responsible people will ultimately succeed in stopping chemtrails by spreading awareness and taking political action. This little book is a valuable tool for adults to educate their children on an extremely important environmental issue. Informed citizens know that chemtrails were described in House Resolution 2977 as an exotic weapon back in 2001. Concerned parents have a right to protect their children from dangerous chemical experiments in our sky. 
If you're interested in this book, go to PatriotRadioBooks.com. PatriotRadioBooks.com. There's a new bookstore in town.